All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to have some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to have sports. I was just checking to see what the market did today. It was pretty much flat. Uh, not the same for the crypto market, which is all over the place today. All over um, the place. Yeah. <laughs> all well, over I mean, the place. What do, you, what do you mean, like in every graveyard? Well, Elon, <laughs> that's recently. But oh. this morning, Elon Musk came out and said that you can now buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. And that's not the biggest news of what he said. The bigger part is he said, we're not going to convert the Bitcoin into fiat. That's a big deal. That's the biggest part of the announcement is he has no interest in converting the Bitcoin into fiat as he gets them. And I'll bet he's going to get a lot of them. Because these guys who are trade, these experienced traders, if they're tr you know trading it, they can make a couple Bitcoin in a day if they they get a good run either way, long or short. And how did you do today? Well, I'm honestly, I survived pretty good today All right. because of a couple quick thinking moves early in the day to get into um, get out of stuff and get into tether. So, which is basically getting into dollars, the cryptocurrency version of dollars. So. Uh, not bad. <clears throat> Paul, on the other hand, well, <laughs> diamond hands. He, he's down to about ten million in the account now. <laughs> from diamond down from hands. about fifteen. Um, all right, live from Studio Six B. Lots to do, but I want to start uh, in the Federalist and this Christine Noem thing that I touched on briefly last night, and I watched her. Did you go back and watch her on Tucker, Rick? Uh, no, no, I did not. not. I didn't no, have the chance. What's um, that supposed to mean? Well, no, I'm just, I don't want you to argue with me tonight about, um, oh, okay. you know, what I'm saying if you didn't watch it. So, well, I don't agree with you. <laughs> but I love her, man. <laughs> so as I tweeted yesterday, I just love it when these politicians try to put a layer of, um, you know, something on top of the issue that only they know about. Oh, no, no, you're wrong because, see, you're not seeing this. Oh, excuse us. Well, no one's really buying that here on the Christy Nome deal. So there's an article here by Joy Pullman. She says Christy Nome is running the Mike Pence play to help leftists control the culture. It appears Governor Christy Nome is hoping to use the goodwill she earned through her, uh, through her COVID courage to hide her cowardly and deceptive choices about transgender politics. South Dakota Governor Christy Nome has rightly made a national name for herself, courageously standing almost alone for science, sanity, and constitutional rights during the COVID pandemic. I'd say not alone, along with Governor DeSantis. Yet it appears she's hoping to use the goodwill she earned through this courage to hide her cowardly and deceptive choices about transgender politics. Like the governors who should have learned from her example on lockdowns and have instead doubled down on their leadership failures, Noam could decide to come clean, change course, and pursue common sense policies about sex. Or she could continue to eviscerate her credibility and earned goodwill by selling out her own constituents on behalf of sexually depraved corporatists, as Mike Pence did, when he was governor of Indiana. Rolling over to leftists in the culture war is certainly what voters have come to expect from politicians with an R after their names who are not named Donald Trump. But it, would all, but it also would be 
what Trump taught voters we don't have to put up with anymore. Any standard bearer of today's right must fight the culture war, not hide from it. Unless reversed, her uh, capitulation here has disqualified her from national leadership. And this, again, is in the opinion of Joy Pullman in The Federalist today. Based on her tweets, a Monday press conference, and media appearances, Christy Nome appears to be insisting people believe she's acting to protect girls' sports while actually abdicating her power to do so. She appears to be expecting that the people listening are so easily fooled that she can say what she knows they want to hear while doing what undermines what they actually want done. Let's look at her arguments here and the context to see this is clearly the case. She says, expecting people to believe plainly false assertions is the first part. As Margot Cleveland detailed in The Federalist on Monday, the South Dakota legislature sent Christy Nome a bill that would have forbidden males from playing in female sports from kindergarten through college in South Dakota, including mechanism, uh, mechanisms excuse me, for verifying student-athletes' biological sex and allowing for legal redress against anyone who broke this would-be law. Noam sent the bill back to the legislature demanding significant changes in a veto message. Her desired changes would allow men to compete in women's sports at the college level and potentially K through 12 based on birth certificate rules and eliminate penalties for violating it. Essentially, Noam's change changes would make the law toothless in attempting to defend her actions the other night to tucker carlson Noam made the false and misleading claims at least three times in the interview she tried to blame the ncaa for her refusal to sign the bill to protect women's sports she said this bill would only allow the ncaa to bully south dakota and it would actually prevent women from being able to participate in collegiate sports then she said it would put a law in the books that would allow the ncaa to take punitive action against our state and we're a small state we've had to fight hard to get any tournaments to come to south dakota when they took punitive action against us we would have to litigate and legal scholars that I have been consulting with for many, many months say that I would very likely lose those litigation efforts. The author then says, it's, it's deliberately misleading to assert that the NCAA would even retaliate for this bill's passage when states including Idaho and Mississippi have already passed similar laws and their college women still play NCAA sports. As we've explained, Noam is attempting to make the public believe that the NCAA requires participating sports teams to allow transgender athletes when this is absolutely false. Nothing in the NCAA policy is an obstacle to signing the bill, despite Noam's attempts to portray otherwise. If the NCAA threatened her with legal action, she should show the receipts and the NCAA should be pressed to account for why they threatened South Dakota, but not Idaho 
or Mississippi with legal action. Not mean press releases, legal action. And then she says, who are these legal scholars anyways? And this is the part that I've been talking about. She adds this layer of only I know these things because I've been dealing with it. And you guys think you understand this issue, but you're not really on the level that I'm on. I have this level here that no one understands but me. So they say she repeatedly claimed she was scared of lawsuits brought by the NCAA, parents of daughters forced to compete against transgender boys, and unnamed others over the bill. She attributed this alleged fear to claims from legal scholars. Did she consider competing legal opinions? Or is this another misdirection? Because other legal experts are publicly disputing her claims of a lawsuit bonanza and offering free legal aid against the NCAA and such a specter. By legal scholars, quote-unquote, does Christy Nome mean her chief of staff, a lawyer who also sits on the board of the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce, which listed HB 1217 as a Tier 1 priority of the highest importance to oppose this legislative session? Or perhaps she means her top advisor, Matt McCauley, a lawyer and lobbyist whose clients include Sanford Health, which owns Sanford Sports Complex, a Sioux Falls arena that hopes to lure NCAA tournaments. Sanford Health also performs transgender treatments on minors, according to testimony before the South Dakota legislature in 2020. If therefore opposed a bill to ban transgender child mutilation last year, testifying and lobbying against it. Its lobbyist was Macaulay. It also uh, is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars to advise Christy Nome in an obvious conflict of interest state lawmakers have voiced concerns about. So this, I mean, this is a lengthy article. She goes then into what Mike Pence did uh, when he was the governor of uh, Indiana, and that's basically smile while you sell everybody out. Uh, and she just, she ends by saying, Gnome shouldn't be proposing fake fixes to this girls' sports legislation. She should be calling a special session to demand that South Dakota immediately ban cutting off um, sterilization of these kids for life. That's a human rights violation of monstrous proportions. And her own advisor works for people who profit from doing it. If she doesn't, and she doesn't sign the bill, we'll all know it's because she's something other than a champion of girls who won't be bullied, quote-unquote. So that's some um, Joy Pullman's take, and I didn't even get to read all of it because it's very extensive. I'll link to it on our social media. But um, I, don't, I don't get her position here of saying, oh, I'm afraid of... If you're going to cave to the NCAA, who won't you cave to? It seems to me. Well, and again, I was reading a Washington Washington Times article about this, and it seems, you know, and based on the article you just read, you pointed out two things that I, that I didn't realize. So maybe she's getting some bad advice. Maybe she's got people that she relies on, and she's just getting bad advice. Maybe that's just it. Maybe she's just like, hey— these are people I've trusted over the years that I've come to come to rely on them. You know, they're attorneys, uh, you know, t- people in her inner circle and they and by, by their, you know, their associations, 
Of course, their bias associations, they're giving, they're whispering around, hey, you know what? This part is bad. Well, oh, okay. Well, explain to me why. You know what I mean? Well, no, I do, well, but here's the other part of the article I didn't get a chance to get to. Um, it seems pertinent to note that Christy Nome has not been a reliable ally of vulnerable women threatened by transgender politics. On July 13th of 2020, the Nome administration okayed placing male prisoners in women's prisons if the male claimed to be a female. Signed by Nome's Secretary of Corrections, a state cabinet member, the policy states that inmate housings is based exclusively on external genital anatomy of those housed in the unit or facility. Requests by a transgender, intersex, and gender dysphoric inmate to transfer to a facility inconsistent with their anatomy may be considered. And then it goes on and on to list other things in this policy. Well, then it sounds like she needs to be uh, called on the carpet and be like, hey, where do you stand on all this right now? We got we to figure this out. All right, just getting started. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Lots to do. News, sports. Got some good stuff to cover tonight. Crazy Town. Jen Saki in the briefing room. Lots to do. Glad you're in. Social media break coming up. Real America's Voice is a news platform dedicated to keeping people informed. The U.S. will have enough COVID-19 vaccines available to vaccinate every adult in America. Headlines from here in the U.S. and around the globe. Protesters are continuing to ignore threats of years in prison and lethal force by police. Full coverage of live events. So 92% of that $2 trillion spending bill is unrelated to COVID. Real news. Honest views. Real. America's Voice. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Just to wrap up on this before we get to news, I'm reminded here, great a good piece in Revolver, which I'm kind of, I was kind of in the dark about how good Revolver is. And I see Darren Beatty on War Room all the time, but I don't know, I just never went to Revolver. They've got great articles, good stuff. Uh, and they have one on this. Christy Nome mutilates her political future by blocking ban on transsexual men in women's sports. And they have a, in this piece, yep. um, they have two tweets that I'm reminded of. American Principles tweeted um, on March 8th, great news. The South Dakota Senate just passed the Women's Fairness in Sports Bill 20 to 15. It now heads to Governor Christy Nome's desk for signature. Well, she retweeted that on the same day and said, in South Dakota, we're celebrating International Women's Day by defending women's sports. I'm excited to sign this bill very soon. And then crumbled. And uh, as this article opens, she could have been a contender. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem handled coronavirus so well, it was no surprise people speculated, as Rick uh, Amorati was just saying in the break, that she might have been a national potential. But instead, Noam angered conservatives and Americans of all stripes by vetoing this bill that would have completely banned transsexuals from invading women's sports. By refusing to stem the tide of transgender insanity, 
Noam has now mutilated her political career as surely as the transgendered mutilate themselves. She might as well identify as Jeb Bush at this point and adopt <laughs> the pronoun sellout and has been. That's pretty tough. Wow, that's harsh. That's pretty harsh. Wow. They're coming at her hard, huh? Well, yeah, this is uh, and, and in Revolver. And rightfully so, because let's be honest. I mean, we, we have very few people speak for the conservative voice. She was one of them. And then she just dumped on us. Because why? Because she didn't want the fight. She caved in. I mean, let's be honest. We talked about it with the kid Doug Smith. I asked him, when you're face-to-face with a guy like Cuomo, who's been in politics his whole life, are you ever intimidated by a guy like this? And he said, yeah. He was honest. He was honest about it. I mean, these people are overwhelming at times. They take all the air out of a room and they just give up. To me, you got to fight. That's what we're paying for. We're paying for fighters. We're, we're rooting for fighters. That's not the truth. More than ever now. Yeah. More than ever, we're looking for fighters. Because what happens, people are so intoxicated by their power and the money that comes with it. Everybody gets rich in politics now, right? Yep. Everybody. People don't want to rock that boat. They're, they're like, I got to get mine. We're the Patriots. That's why term limits... And complete transparency on every deal for every immediate family member and you if you want to be in Congress. Otherwise, don't do it. Yeah. They also make the point in here that she chose to block the bill using this style uh, and form veto tactic, uh, which they say Governor Christy Noem has made a decision on one of the most controversial bills to come out of the uh, legislature. And the decision is to send it back. And... Uh, Who's the author of this? Is it is it Beatty? Um, it must be. Uh, he says, um, in addition to limiting the law's application to only grade school athletes, Noam also wants to strip the section that allows private citizens to sue over violations or retaliation. Noam's revisions make the bill absolutely toothless and borderline incoherent. Biology matters for high school girls, but not for college girls? Question mark. If girls can't sue for redress when the law is violated, what can be done if schools simply ignore the damn law? There's no way around it. Noam isn't merely proposing to fix flaws in the law. She is clearly caving to pressure from business interests which put profitability ahead of the well-being of children. And would that business interest be the NCAA? She mentions it. Yep. She well, mentions she it when she references it. North Carolina, what they went through. Well, well she says was- she'd been trying to get tournaments there. I mean, yeah, cer- right. certainly tournaments bring revenue into the state and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> Big but- time. So did, so did the NCAA go, you know, pull the old, uh, you know, carding uh, business thing? Well, it'd be a, a shame if, you're, uh, if your state went up in flames. Who cares and, if they did? What's the NCA? What are they going to do? What are they going to do in the end? It's Which, just simply not going to bring any tournaments yeah, revenue to their state. Okay, the state, by the way, the state's doing better than most states. It's not like they're sitting there going, oh, man, if we don't get the Final Four here next year, what do we, I mean, what do, they're running like a surplus in there because of her policies. This is what makes no sense about it. In everything else she's doing, she's about as solid, obviously, other than this, but this is a big other than this. Well, yeah, yeah. it is. It's a big matzo ball and, out there. And it probably touches, it has a lot of tentacles that we don't even realize that people are pushing. And she's probably getting that pressure, like you said, from all different angles. Who knows? No doubt. No doubt. 
Time and time again, weak Republicans have cratered to this kind of pressure. Noam had the chance to be different. Instead, she failed the exact same way. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire said, Christy Noam says she doesn't want to ban males from women's sports at the college level because it might make the NCAA mad and they might, quote unquote, punish us. Boy, this she is says, that's the most Republican line of reasoning I've ever heard. It's nauseating. Phew, man, this is really disappointing. I can't believe she caved in like this. Uh, even worse than kowtowing to businesses, Noam has also chosen to submit to the subset of America that is embarrassingly, obs- uh, embarrassingly obsessed with college sports. The NCAA is supposed to be a nonprofit that exists to organize and govern athletic uh, competitions, but instead it wants to be the fourth branch of government with veto power over state law. The NCAA has said it is monitoring, quote-unquote, South Dakota's bill, an obvious threat that they will bar the state from hosting tournaments uh, if it passes, much like it previously boycotted North Carolina for its transgender bathroom bill. To put it plainly, though, the NCAA has effectively issued an ultimatum to Governor Nome. If you want college sports in your state, you'd better accept transsexuals and women's sports. Once again, we see a sports institution using Americans' voyeuristic and vicarious um, addiction to spectator sports as blackmail to shove the worst cultural poison down their throats like a Big Mac and fries. But don't worry, she's going to start a petition to change things, as she said. So. Oh, man. Anytime you like a politician, it's just a matter of time before they just get on. They just do something like this. Amazing. You know, it's just the same old. It's the same old, same old. It's just, um, wow. I mean, this is so unreasonable. And Darren Beatty finishes here by saying, so there you have it. By all appearances, the governor who resisted the full scale push to lock down the economy in her state has now caved to lobbyists and special interests threatening a boycott of business, a transsexual lockdown, if you will, if she doesn't play ball on their perverse agenda. By 2024, the coronavirus will be gone. The left's relentless push to remake American society into an unrecognizable abomination will still be here. The right absolutely requires a leader who will stand totally for the truth and against the left and its twisted evil ideology. Noam had her chance to show she could be that person, and she blew it. And boy, that, that, that's really the case, because the left at this point, what they're out to do in remaking America in so many ways, in, um, in gender, in race, economics, religion, I mean, there's nothing that's not on the table. There's nothing that's not on their table that they don't have a bullseye on and they're they're pulling back and ready to go. There's nothing that's not on the table to remake or rethink. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. More to do. We'll do some news, maybe Crazy Town a little earlier tonight when we get back right after this.
Real America's Voice is a news platform dedicated to keeping people informed. Start your day off with War Room, hosted by Steve Bannon. If they've got the data, if they've got the evidence, they've got the science, bring it forward. Followed by News On with Miranda Kahn. And we will continue to keep a close watch on the situation in D.C. Begin your afternoon with David Brody's Water Cooler. A huge deal here. We're going to unpack it all. Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Glad you're in on a Wednesday. Make sure you follow us on social media at LFS6B. Yahoo. Oh, Yahoo. What do you mean, Yahoo? Uh, Twitter. (laughs) At LFS6B on Twitter. Uh, Facebook. I'm looking at Yahoo on this article. You can email us, LFS6B at Yahoo.com. But uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Parler, Rumble, all at LFS6B. Make sure you visit us, uh, visit our friends at mypillow.com where you can get 66% off. Great stuff, towels, pillows. Works on most things. I think there's maybe the sheets it doesn't work on and a couple things, but there's a ton of stuff there. Every time I go there, there's more stuff. 66% off when you use code LFS6B. Uh, all right, let's do the news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, pal? Well, let's start with the, uh, the GO, you know, the, the, these gun laws. It's obviously, um, you know, front and center for the Democrats, but. Uh, Senator Kennedy of the GOP uh, said you're not going to stop the killings until you stop the killers. The Louisiana uh, senator said is fighting back against Senate Democrats trying to tighten gun laws after two recent mass shootings, saying you're not going to stop killings until you stop the killers. Uh, Kennedy told Fox on Tuesday that the day after the second incident in which 10 people were killed in Boulder, um, that Democrats are using the tragic events to push through their own gun control agenda when guns aren't the problem. He said, you're not going to stop the killings until you stop the killers. You don't stop drunk drivers by getting rid of all the sober drivers. And, uh, you know, he went on to say the Grassley and Cruz's bill, which I support, would tighten up the database and it would crack down on people who have guns who shouldn't have guns. He also argued that many Senate uh, Democrats don't believe in the Second Amendment and resulted in the filibustering of previous Republican bill that would have improved the database used during the gun buying background checks. So um, the fight continues, but it still feels like they're just going to keep, you know, you know, just rolling back liberty on this thing. And Jen, I, Jen Psaki was asked in the briefing room about um, this, and we talked about a little bit about yesterday. And I got a couple of things here we can go back over, even going back to Bill Clinton. Um, when he passed the assault weapons ban and then a tweet he sent out in August 5th of 2019 talking about his own assault weapons ban that he passed in 1994 saying that after he passed it, there was a big drop in mass shooting deaths. When the ban expired, they rose again. Well, is exact, it, are, are those facts correct? PolitiFact looked into that. We'll get to that in a second. But here's Jen Psaki in the briefing room today asked about this. Roll that, G. Jen, why did the president wait until there was another shooting, until he addressed gun violence in America? Uh, He actually addressed it. We put out a statement in his name on the anniversary of... 
uh, in early February, the anniversary of the of the shooting uh, in Florida. Um, so he has addressed it before, and certainly has addressed it even as president, and will continue to address it as president. And as you know, Jeff, from covering covering him in Congress for a long time, this has been a passion of his, uh, putting in in place gun safety measures throughout his career. That's why he fought to uh, get the Brady Bill passed. Why he fought to uh, ban assault weapons. Why he was the lead in the Obama Biden administration and putting in place more than a dozen executive actions uh, to uh, to make uh, it safer for our communities. And it's something that he will continue to work on as president. Of course, he knows that the, the president's bully pulpit is unparalleled. And yet it took him until more than 60 days into his presidency to talk about gun violence on camera in America. What does that say about his commitment or how much political capital he's willing to spend on this issue? Well, I, I first would say that anybody who has been following um, the tragedies and the shootings that have happened in our country over the past several years, if not decades, knows that this is an issue the president is deeply committed to. And his, career, his uh, career is evidence of that. And I don't think anyone who's an advocate is looking at how many words he's spoken. They're looking at what his uh, background has been, where he has fought the fights. Uh, and he has fought the fights on the Brady Bill, on the assault weapons ban, on getting legislation passed. It wasn't successful, as was alluded to earlier in a question. Uh, we know that. Uh, but this is something he's going to put uh, his shoulder into. He's going to work with members of both parties. He's going to uh, certainly advocate for. And I think for uh, for those who have survived uh, gun violence, for those who have lost family members, they're really looking for action. And they're really looking at the record uh, that he has or he has over the course of the decades of his career. Um, I, love when they, I love when they say how dedicated these people are, these politicians are to these things. If my memory serves me correctly, and I could be wrong, I believe the first two years of the Obama administration, Joe Biden was the vice president, and I believe Barack Obama was the president, and I believe they held, as he does now, all the branches and all the power in Washington. And I don't remember any extensive gun legislation being passed that he's, quote-unquote, so dedicated to. But we'll have to check that. I could be wrong, but... I think you got it. I'm not exactly sure how dedicated all these people are to things in, until things happen. Then all of a sudden, it's they're very dedicated to it. Because I don't think they passed anything in those two years where they could have passed whatever they wanted to. So if I have this correct, if they ban the guns, violent people, lawless violent people, heartless, sociopathic, violent people will stop committing act of violence if, if, if guns don't exist anymore, so they won't use knives or bats or, or, or hammers. Right? If there was not a gun on the earth, these people wouldn't use their form of dominance to steal other people's stuff. And the, and the weaker, smaller person, like the little old lady out in the country, couldn't defend herself with a shotgun anymore? Yes. So she's automatic, so we'll have a tr well, it'll devolve into something even more tribal than it is now? Yeah, it goes back to That's somebody Somebody mentioned Paul Cain and Abel from the Old Testament. He used a rock to kill his brother. I mean, you know, they'll find a way. Well, let me, since Paul brings it up, let me remind you what the FBI said in October of 2019 in an article that was published in Law Enforcement Today. FBI quoted as saying, more people killed with knives, hammers, clubs, and even feet than rifles in 2018, it's the data that the mainstream media tends to bury when it doesn't fit their agenda. According to the FBI, more than five times as many people were killed in 2018 by knives, clubs, 
and other cutting instruments than with rifles. The metrics show that there were a total of 1,515 deaths by knives or other cutting instruments in 2018. Compare that against 297 people killed by rifles. It's a gap that's widened significantly over 2017. In that year, the FBI said nearly four times as many people were stabbed to death as killed with rifles. During that year, the number of murders with rifles was around 400. Well, it gets better. More than 100 people, 100 more people were killed with hammers and clubs in 2018 than were killed by rifles. There were 443 people killed with hammers, clubs, or other blunt objects in 2018. We need to point out that this uh, that the data isn't just semi-automatic rifles. It's all rifles, including bolt-action, pump-action, lever-action rifles as well. If you were to contrast the numbers between just semi-automatic rifles and knife homicides, the gap would be even larger. Here's another number that will blow your mind. The data also shows that in 2018, there were 672 deaths from fists, feet, and other personal weapons, which is once again more, this is from the FBI, let me remind you, than with rifles. In 2017, there were 692 people killed in that same way, a number larger than the total number of homicides by rifles and shotguns combined. Well, I got an idea. Let's confiscate everybody's feet. (laughs) Yet you've got Democratic presidential hopeful. This was back again in 2019. uh, Beto O'Rourke campaigning on the confiscation of AR-15s, which is what we're hearing now. Remember last month during the Democratic debate, he said, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s. Numbers from the National Shooting Sports Foundation show that there are more than 16 million privately owned AR-15s in the United States. And then they have a chart here, um, murder victims by weapons from 2012 through 2017. Personal weapons comes in number one all five years. Blunt object comes in number two all five years. Rifles comes in last all five years. And in 16 and 17, well, actually 15, 14, 13, and 12, it's significantly behind. Rifles are only used in a small fraction of murders committed using firearms. FBI data from that year showed that more than 7,100 people were killed using handguns and that the vast majority of non-fatal crimes involving guns are also committed using handguns. A 2012 study offers interesting reflections by New Jersey Intelligence Center, which works in conjunction with the Department of Homeland Security. Semi-automatic handguns are the weapon of choice for mass shootings, the report notes. According to the CDC, in 2017, 6 in 10 gun-related deaths in the U.S. were suicides, while 37% were murders. The rest were either unintentional, involved with law enforcement, or had undetermined circumstances. In 2017, gun suicides reached their highest recorded level. Yet the number of gun murders remained far below the peak in 1993 when there were 18,000 gun homicides. Also during that time, overall violent crime levels in the U.S. were much higher than they are today. And this goes on. I'll link this on our social media with with actual real stats that you'll never hear anybody talk about. 
So you're absolutely right, Paul, when you say that. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's trying to create policy like uh, Senator from Louisiana there said, you, we're going to ban all, we're going to take care of drunk driving by banning all sober drivers. I mean, that's about the level of thinking here. It's, it seems to be the level of thinking since last year. Let's quarantine all the healthy people. Um, oh, wait, that's backwards. Right. Same no. thing. Punish, punish, punish those who actually follow the rules um, to make up for the fact that you can't control the lunatics out there. You know, and these, uh, these, you hear these, these politicians say in AR, you know, like automatic rifle, and they don't even know what it stands for. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 these, the AR, they don't even know what AR stands for. And, and or they'll come up with these stats and it can pump out this many rounds and they have no clue what they're saying. They do no homework. They've never handled the weapon. They've never even tried. You know, you want to make weapons safe? Teach kids to use them. Do you remember when Joe Biden, Gio and I looked at this clip for uh, something we were doing the other day. Do you remember when Joe Biden was confronted by that? worker yep during the campaign mm-hmm. as he started to rattle off what a big gun supporter he is he he couldn't he didn't have any of the numbers right that he tried to describe oh i own a gun i've got my ar19 in my uh yeah i got my, uh, <laughs> my glock i got my 62 i got my, my 37 <laughs> and not one thing was right about what he said not one i got my ar12 America's Voice. All right, 13 to the hour live from Studio 6B. Viewer email. Annette says, hey, guys, I'm noticing the ticker. Friend, pay attention here. I'm noticing the ticker moving across the bottom of your screen, giving the news stories isn't reported by you guys until the next day. What up with that? Still enjoy your program, though, with four personalities. We're not in charge of that, though. I think that comes from, uh, that's no, fed that's in. Us. Yeah. You make us smile and... Um, you parrot the same questions my husband and I ask each other all the time. Common sense and sound judgment are on the ropes, but they're not down for the count. Damon, Paul, and Rick bring strong opposition to the trending controversies of the day. We love sports. Rick Emiratis as well. Big smile lifts our spirits. We love Harry too. Well, I was with you right up till then. <laughs> Just kidding. Can they wear uh, yeah. promos going forward? Because that's really nice. Keep the nice. Uh, keep the comedy coming. I remember the night we found your show. We were so down. You gave us a huge boost in a very low time when we thought the world had gone nuts. 
Well, I think we can still think that. <laughs> yeah, but I even mean, I, though I, I, it, it we, went nuts, we now can find some reason to smile from your show. God bless your crew and your show. We really do believe Pisaki is getting her briefings from Biden as the uh, mm, uh, mm, are pretty consistent. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for uh, you know, thanks for the show, Midwest Rural fans. Well, thank you. That's a great email. That thank you nice. for watching. Uh, let's do some sports with the big smiler himself, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? I love the fans, Big D. I got another gift being sent to me that I'll have on the set uh, coming in the next week. So the fans are just so great. The love that we get from them. Yeah, it's a, it's a finger. You. <laughs> no, no. It's We're going to have to hire a bomb squad in the studio. <laughs> Emirati's getting gi- gifts now. Yeah. Continuous gifts. Nice. Thank you. Uh, well, so Paul, <laughs> Rick, and me, Geo, friend, Harry. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, uh, I, I need a new shtick. Maybe I should get into Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Start wearing purple. You're too late to the party, Paul. Too late. Too too late. late All right, let's do sports. Go. Okay, NBA action right now. Uh, Paces over the Pistons, 78-76. That's in the third. Celtics having a big, uh, a lot of trouble for the Celtics. They're trailing the Bucks right now, 70-59 at the half. Bucks are a good team, though. Uh, Raptors over the Nuggets at the half, 72-54. Uh, Suns lead the Magic, 42-46 in the second down in Orlando. Cavs trail the, uh, lead the Bulls, 37-36 right now, and that's in the second. Thunder over the Grizzlies. 34-30. Also in the second, Timberwolves lead the Mavs 38-33. And the Rockets over the Hornets 40-35. Uh, and then just tipped off the Clippers and Spurs. Uh, Clippers are up 14-7 in San Antonio. NHL action. Just a few games in action. Two went final already. Uh, the Senators 3-1 over the Flames and the Wild 3-2 over the Ducks. In action right now, Penguins lead the Sabres 2-1 after one. And speaking of hockey, Yahoo Sports Canada, Justin Cuthbert reporting, NHL reacts swiftly to a hot mic embarrassment and drops referee Tim Peel. Um, are there makeup calls made regularly in the NHL? Most people who have watched the game long enough would probably say yes. Is there tolerance for admitting this is as, as a truth? Nope. Actually, none at all. Like, to, like longtime NHL official Tim Peel learned that the hard way of after being caught on a hot mic on a local broadcast in Tuesday's clash between the Nashville Predators and the Detroit Red Wings, admitting that he found a reason to call an infraction against the home team, in this case Nashville, pr- pr- uh, presumably to make up for a perceived injustice earlier in the game. Peel was an un- able to finish his thought on the hot mic but was caught saying there wasn't much but I wanted to get a bleeping penalty against Nashville early in the and then he got cut off after whistling Predators forward Victor Anderson for tripping. That clear manipulation of the game, which again, most fans and onlookers have come to accept, was enough for the NHL to determine that Peel's time officiating in the NHL for the rest of the season and in the future is enough. His termination was made official through an early morning press release this morning from the NHL, shared roughly 12 hours after the game had finished last night. So, NHL player, you know, you got to watch your hot, your hot mics, uh, you know, these NHL referees. Uh, full disclosure, though, he was ready to retire at the end of the season anyway, but... Still in it. NHL acted swiftly. I don't know why these guys don't realize the hot mics, Big D. I, I just don't get it. Between these announcers, these refs, you know, you're always on when you're on. And no question. Do, uh, can I have, do I have a second to chime in? Please. See, as a hockey fan, and I love the game. You know, my son plays college hockey. I, I, we grew up with it. My, my whole family loves the game, and I, I can watch any two teams play. The game moves so fast. It is incredible. These guys... 
crank at 22 miles an hour on the ice, 23 miles an hour, and the puck flies, and things happen so quick. And these these referees are trying to stay afloat while all these big bodies are flying around. They miss a, they miss something, and they catch it, and they know they did the team an injustice. Sometimes they'll make it up with a makeup call, but they're so judicious and honorable throughout all of it, and it almost always works out. I find like this to be... I don't know. I feel like this might be one of those overreactions when we don't have the full clip of what was said during that statement. It's only a three-second soundbite. Yeah. And it cuts off the beginning and the end. I, right. I, I don't know. I feel like this guy's been doing a great job. He's one of the good refs in the league. 1,300 games. And he's a legit ref. He refs a game. You know you're going to get an even game. Yeah. So, I don't know. Thank Just uh, stinks. Um, and uh, here's a good story out of the NFL. We hear a lot of you know bad, negative things about the players, but Patriots offensive lineman Justin Haran <laughs> helps thwart an attempted sexual assault in Arizona. This is from Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. New England Patriots offensive lineman Justin Haran is receiving praise for being one of two men to stop a potential sexual assault in Tempe, Arizona on Saturday morning. Per the club's official website, a 70-year-old woman was walking through a park on Saturday when a 30-year-old male allegedly attacked her and threatened to assault her. Haran and Phoenix resident Murray Rogers swiftly jumped into action and held the alleged assailant, assailant until police arrived. It was something that I never dreamed or thought I would see, you know? You see it in the movies and TV all the time, but you think it's never going to happen in real life until it does, Haran explained during a press conference. In that moment, I was shocked. It was 11 a.m. It was in the middle of the day, not one cloud in the sky, and in a very open field. It was just the fact that it had happened there at that time was just very, very shocking. Police representatives added that both Haran and Rogers reconnected with the victim later Saturday, uh, and, you know, Haran did express how he felt so bad for the woman she was really just just traumatized by the whole situation. But, uh, you know, Haran, who joined the Patriots via the sixth round of uh, last year's draft, the 2020 draft, you know, did the right thing. And that's really good to hear that. And he's a big, big guy, big lineman. So uh, I'm sure that guy was like, <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt that guy coming yeah. chugging at you, right? Yeah, and that's a good one for the NFL. Um, and uh, uh, a little NHL news, additional NHL news. Um, and a lot of our fans in the Midwest will probably recognize this name. Uh, St. Louis Blues legend Bob Plager dies in a car accident at age 78, Emily Kaplan from ESPN reported, a two-vehicle wreck occurred at about 1.30 p.m. Central Time on Highway 40, Interstate 64, going eastbound in St. Louis. A plaguer, a defenseman, was an original member of the Blues when they joined the NHL as an expansion club in 1967. He played 14 seasons in the NHL, including 11 with the Blues, and helped St. Louis to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. Um, so, you know, really a tragedy, and uh, it, it's really made big news. He actually cut his teeth with the Rangers in 1964. He had a cup of coffee for 29 games with them, so a little bit of a New York connection. New York Post has right on their front sports page as well. So, you know, rest in peace for his family, Bob Plager. All those great years you're playing in the NHL, and unfortunately, you know, you just never know when your time is up. And just one more quick one, Big D. Mike Tyson says the Vander Holyfield fight on for May 29th. It will be the third and likely last fight between the two boxes. Ryan Gatos of Fox News reported that they have agreed to that fight. Um, Tyson said the issue was with Trilla. He is leaving Trilla uh, and going with a, a, another group that's going to handle his, uh, represent him for the fight. So apparently with Tyson, just to be clear, uh, just like the old B.B. Um, King song, the thrill is gone. Well, in his case, the trill is gone and uh, Tyson's going to be fighting Holyfield uh, May 29th. I look forward to that fight on pay-per-view and that's a wrap in sports big D. I won't be around for the next segment. Misfits got a game tonight. Big D's let me leave a little early. So yes, catch I am. Name. Thank you. No misfits. Misfits are in action and the uh, King misfit has to go play. So <laughs> he's, he's leaving. Yeah. I'm a are misfit you, on this set for now, sure. <laughs> are you going to wear your, now let's see how much you really support the show. 
are you going to wear your Slick Rick Purple Sports shirt um, since you like to hold it up on air and disrupt the broadcast like you did last night trying to promote your own products like a used car salesman yes. would do? Are you going to wear that shirt on the ice tonight or on the deck tonight? I'm going to wear the white shirt underneath my jersey, Big D, and I'm going to bring the water bottle onto the rink. And the guys are going to really give me a hard time about it, but I'll have my water bottle on the rink, Big D, with some Gatorade, of course. Okay. All right. That's acceptable support for the show by Rick Amorati. Good. Very good. All right. Hour two. <laughs> Coming up. Live from Studio 6B, Hour 2. Lots of good emails here as I'm going through. People disagreeing with a lot of things we said tonight. Well, I'm not, I mean, not disagreeing, but voicing other opinions. Here's yeah. another one. Peggy says, please, I have never heard a stupid comment from you guys before. Um, I guess until we said, so if they ban guns, will the criminals use knives or bats or something? No, and some might, but the criminals will always be able to get guns and every single person in law enforcement, FBI, and the Democrats, including Biden. So I'm not exactly sure if she's saying that what we said. I was reading from an FBI article with the, with the numbers. I wasn't making those numbers up or saying that, that people, bats and other blunt objects, they said it. Right, I was and, reading from their article. And we had the rhetorical statement, I said... Rhetorically, if guns completely disappeared from the earth, violent people wouldn't be violent still. And then we expounded on that by saying something effective. You know, once all guns are legal, people who want to commit violence will commit violence from in any way they can, supported by that FBI article and the illegal weapons that do come along the way. As Chris, um, another email here from Chris. Uh, Jay says, I believe during the Obama administration, the Boston bombers uh, used pressure cookers and no one's banned them yet. Mm. Evil people will find a way to be evil. Right. And, and, you know, when you're talking about guns, they're only talking about the guns that, uh, well, that are legal. Because, well, let's face it, how many illegal guns are out there? They don't, they don't even know. They have no idea. So, oh yeah, okay, we're going we're going we're going to put forth this legislation make it really tough for you to get a gun and probably come and get those guns away from you. That's great. Um, but those are the only the guns you know about because they're registered. We know and, and let's face it, the FBI's done it. They've uh you know, they've shipped guns all over the place uh trying to trying to entice oh, like cartels to use them. Yeah, fast and furious. So you know they're illegal. Illegal guns are the problem, not the legal guns. It's the illegal guns and the idiots and the wackos that use them. That's the problem. But they don't ever ban psychotropic drugs, right? That people kill themselves all the time. They don't care about that. They don't care about the fact that the majority of people who commit violence, right? Aren't they somewhat, uh, I'm talking about physical violence of any sort, either come on and off their meds. I mean, that's a huge problem. Maybe accountability should head towards pharmaceutical a little bit. 
How about just the, the, the person? How about accountability to the criminal? Yeah. Again, guns don't kill people because, you know, I've seen, I've seen uh, tons of guns in stores and no, no shots were ever fired by those guns by themselves. They also they just sit hear, there. You hear a lot of people say, well, if it saves one life, it's worth, worth it. But yet they don't apply that same logic to, let's say, oh, I don't know, COVID lockdowns. Right. Not, they never apply that logic to other things. Abortion. COVID lockdowns are killing people in numbers we've m- more than the virus has killed. How about war? We don't use that same logic for that. Maybe, with, maybe all the Republicans should say we should find a way to every governor should just open up all the states because if it saves one life, you know, right? how it works. Well, s- same with guns. You know, think about it. If you've got a gun and you're defending yourself and you're able to stave off somebody who attacks you, breaks into your home, hey, if it saved, it saved one life, there you go. We hear about this a lot of times. It doesn't get the, uh, the press that a mass shooting will get, but there are people that are out there, you got to dig for the stories, but they eventually do report them that, hey, this person held off an intruder. This person held off somebody who's threatening their family. And guess what? That person is no longer a threat because they, they had a legally owned firearm and they protected themselves. Hey, they say it saved one life, so maybe we should give people uh, easier access. And like Paul said, if you want to cut down on the recklessness, teach kids how to use them properly. Yeah. Uh, Another email from Dan says, I've been watching conservatives trashing Governor Noam all day, and I'm furious about it. Why do we always feel the need to turn on our own? Well, I don't think that's what this is about. Who benefits the most if conservatives destroy one of their leaders? Again, I don't think that's what people are trying to do. Uh, Christine Ohm is not the enemy, people. Heard her explain her reasons with my own ears. And if she says it does not solve the problem but creates new ones, I, for one, say she deserves the benefit of the doubt. A true sign of a leader is when they stand by their decision regardless of the mob. Um, he says, she's earned my respect and the benefit of the doubt, especially as regards any stories from the media. So I listened to her interview with Tucker the other day to hear things from her own mouth. What I heard her say was that she unequivocally supports traditional genders, um, only athletics, and has been involved in the fight for many years. In the bill she vetoed, as written, the legislature opened the state up to endless lawsuits over the issue, which she was advised is not feasible. If I understand correctly, the problem is not the gender uh, declaration, but the legal remedies offered. It was not so much bowing to the NCAA as facing the reality that little South Dakota stood no chance trying to fight the mighty NCAA in court. The point of her new Title IX organization is not to obfuscate, but to provide a unified front to send a message to the NCAA from a position of strength. And he goes on here. Well, I mean, that's a better point. I mean, interesting point. I still don't completely agree. I think we have to hold. What uh, what's left of conservatism, conservatism and the people who represent it feet to the fire and not give them a chance to slide off to the side like everybody else does. I don't know, man. I want, I'm, I'm done. I'm done like rolling over just because they got the R on their jersey. No, and I agree. But and again, this is why I was asking so many questions about what kind of uh, what kind of uh, advice is she getting? Legal advice. She's mentioned it uh, in, in her explanation. And if this is an opportunity for her to kick it back to them, rewrite this part to make it stronger, yeah, 
then give them the opportunity. Like I said, I don't think this is due, like she has to sign it today or it's never going to happen. If it takes an extra week, is that week, is that extra two weeks, is that sufficient enough to make sure it's a better law for, for everybody moving forward? And that's what you all think, right? We said at this point, it's disappointing. We have to see more information come forward. But I saw the Tucker interview, and I got to be honest with you, I was just like, here we go again. You know, just rolling over instead of fighting. That's how I felt. Just fight. I just think everyone's got to stand up and fight. We, you know, back to the, uh, I don't want to beat up the point anymore, but that last letter I thought was a good argument, but. Yeah. All right. Let's do some, let's do some news. We'll get back to viewer um, emails because there's great ones tonight, Um, including one here, Paul, that's asking for our uh, top crypto picks. So maybe we'll do that in the next. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll especially after the bloodbath today. Maybe we'll do that in one of the next um, <laughs> breaks. All right, cool. So, All right, so let's do uh, news. Justin News is reporting President Biden will on Thursday hold his first press conference since uh, since uh, entering office 64 days ago. <laughs> um, you know, uh, he's gone longer than any U.S. president in over 100 years without holding such an exchange with reporters, Biden has been under pressure from the news media to hold a full-on, unscripted back-and-forth with reporters, considering the number of pressing issues before him and the demand from Americans to know where he stands on those matters. Um, and it says here that Obama's going to step in for him because he's got COVID that day. Just <laughs> kidding, kidding. Among those uh, issues are the rapid influx of migrants at the southwest border, his intentions with gun control, and how his proposed federal tax increase will impact impact U.S. households. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, such a rapid-fire exchange with reporters are also considered a good test for how well-prepared and sharp the president's full scope of the issues is. So we'll see what happens there. That should be uh, must-see TV. It should provide us 27 crazy towns. And uh, <laughs> I wonder it should who be the, a boost in our ratings. Yeah. One of the first questions should be, why is it that the Democratic Party in 62 days as looks like um, really an un-American political party at this point with the things that you're trying to do? Um, not You don't embrace... You, you're so far from embracing our founding principles at this point the leaders of the party openly um, believe in just the opposite. And the party as a whole looks more and more every day, like really something you'd find, I don't know, in Europe, more of a, a French uh, socialist kind of party. It's not even, I mean, what is there? Is there anything about the Democratic Party that you could say is pro um america they never give speeches you never hear any of the leaders talk about um anything positive about the country it's it's always something that we've either never lived up to or the the citizens are not good enough they're this they're systemically that i've never heard joe biden give a speech about america that was had anything positive to say about how are you the president of the united states and you don't even like it You don't even like the country that you're the president of. You believe in nothing about it anymore. Your party believes in nothing about it. Of our founding, the way it's set up. I mean, they just promote the absolute opposite of everything the country's about. Trying to ram through all of this, what he's doing after executive order, after executive order. 
All these other questions are just questions they're going to ask him on Thursday. Now, let's get to the heart of the damn matter. Go ahead, Rick. Now, depending on how many questions will that, like if they ask like 40 questions throughout this time, does that count as 40 more Q&As? No, they only get to ask three. One question per stairs tripped. Yeah, this will be this this will be painful to watch. Well, um, Mexican President uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. How do you pronounce his name? Obrador. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure I didn't botch that because there's a lot of that going on lately around this studio. Yeah, he's blaming President Mostly Biden for, for me. The- <laughs> Did I tell you I got an email the other day? Said you know, guys, I really love the show. Here's the only thing: every time Damon reads an article, it's like he's never seen it before. <laughs> We have day jobs here. We're all trying to feed our kids. And I I wrote back saying, that's a fair point. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. (laughs) He's like, you sound like Saki halfway through these things. Uh, It it reminds me of when I was in high school, one of my best buddies was terrible reading it out loud. Very nervous. Nice guy. Every time he would read, we would all go like this. That's how you read? And it would just make it worse and worse for him. And everybody would be laughing. It was just the meanest thing you could ever do. Yeah. Thank God the guy could beat up everybody. He was a good guy. So anyway, this is funny because now Mexican president is turning on Biden saying that, uh, you know, his state basically said expectations were created with that government uh, of President Biden. There would be a better treatment of migrants. And this has caused Central American migrants and also people from our country wanted to cross the border thinking it's easier to do so, which we know is not the case so um you know so i just wanted to finish that one real quick just because well yeah he's basically saying hey joe um if you're not exactly sure why this happened stop looking to the former president look at your own words back in the debate we played i mean there there's no question about why this is happening it's because of your language Again, I've said this before. When Trump was president, all words matter. Words matter. Every syllable, whether he's tweeting it or reading it, it matters. This, I mean, now it's like, well, geez, why are all these people showing up at the border? Oh, well, Joe, did you hear yourself last year? Well, come on. It doesn't really matter what he said. He's having a hard time uh, squaring that with what's going on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Real America's Voice is a news platform dedicated to keeping people informed. The U.S. will have enough COVID-19 vaccines available to vaccinate every adult in America. Headlines from here in the U.S. and around the globe. Protesters are continuing to ignore threats of years in prison and lethal force by police. Full coverage of live events. So 92% of that $2 trillion spending bill is unrelated to COVID. Real news. Honest views. Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Of course, thank you for joining us here on a, uh, it's a Wednesday night. Uh, Paul Nolan here with news. Rick Amorati sticking around, but he won't be doing sports because he's got his own sports to do a little bit later. Hey, who are the misfits playing? Uh, uh, usual suspects tonight. The usual suspects? Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. How thank many you, teams in, in your league are called the Puckheads? 
Uh, there is one. <laughs> of course there is there a Puckheads, yes. That's who we beat in the finals. You might remember that. One of my teams was called the Nads, and all our friends would come down and yell, Go, Nads. <laughs> <laughs> that's a true story, too. Yeah, that's, like nuts, being, huh? that's like being a fan of South Carolina. <laughs> Anyhow, so what's going on with... Uh, in the stands for a, for a men's hockey league game. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, Paul. America's favorite doctor, Dr. Quack Quack. Quack Quack. Um, and a Chinese counterpart envisioned lengthy COVID restrictions. This is uh, good to see. The U.S. Uh, uh, infectious disease expert Anthony Fauci on recent public health panels signaled common ground with a renowned Chinese doctor and public health administrator on the matter of ongoing COVID-19 restrictions, with both Fauci and his Chinese counterpart suggesting those restrictions could continue for many months, even years. Hmm. Well, hold on. Well, well, well. <laughs> Didn't I tell you this crap will never end? Fauci in early March appeared uh, in a virtual panel titled The Future of Health, hosted by uh, the University of Edinburgh. Uh, also present in the meeting was Chinese uh, pulmonologist Zhang Nanshan. I nailed that. Damn, that was good. And who has been uh, at the forefront of China's response to the pandemic. Uh, Zhang has a long career in the Chinese uh, Communist Party hierarchy, serving uh, years as a delegatory position in both the CCP's National Congress and the National People's Congress. So this guy's a big shot there and on the panel he and Fauci expressed uh, hopes that COVID restrictions worldwide would continue well into the future. Zhang himself uh, claimed efforts to develop natural immunity of COVID-19 are inadvisable from a national policy standpoint. It doesn't work that way and not realistic and less scientific and inhumane. So uh, they argued mass vaccinations are the common sense approach. And uh, I'd love to see their financials and see how much money they're invested <laughs> in this thing. Because here we go again. I mean, yeah. perfectly healthy people got to get drugged up to make keep their bottom line up. Well, you know what? That, that's the way it works, right? Yep. Uh, just like uh, Cuomo, I saw this come across today. He directed New York health officials to prioritize COVID-19 testing for, wait for it, his relatives. Yeah, Cuomo's brother, mother, one of his sisters were among those allegedly receiving priority tests. Three of his mistresses, <laughs> his gumada. Twelve of his accusers. Uh, family <laughs> members who allegedly received preferential testing included Cuomo's brother, uh, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. I guess we're not surprised by that. If you eat the sausage, we'll right. inject you with a vaccine. As well as his sausage. mother and at least one of his sisters, the Albany Times Union reported, citing uh, sources with knowledge of the matter. Some family members reportedly received multiple tests, and Chris Cuomo was reportedly tested at his home on Long Island. So they actually went to him. To make sure that he got tested because he's so important to CNN. Uh, so there, there you have some of the other, you know, let's face it, Fauci, Cuomo, uh, interchangeable at this point. They're both useless, um, you know, bureaucrats who, who revel in the power that they have. Mm. And, of course, you know, pushing, pushing things for their benefit. Yep. What else is new? Right. What Just else? Business as usual. Yep. So uh, you 
Utah GOP Governor Spencer Cox has, Cox has signed uh, legislation requiring all cell phones and tablets sold in the state to block pornography, sparking backlash from free speech advocates. Cox said the measure would deliver an important message about protecting children from being able to access pornography. Uh, the measure was signed Tuesday, but will not be implemented until five other states sign similar legislation in order to address concerns on the difficulty of its enforcement. Uh, um, enforcement. The American Civil Liberties Union of Utah will likely be uh, taking this to court, which is amazing that there's any civil liberty union left. But, you know, it's just on a side note. Does this mean they can't watch uh, the uh, sister wives, the Emmys anymore? <laughs> or what the hell what was that? The, what oh, was the that? Grammys, the Grammys. Oh, the Grammys. Right. Because that was basically uh, that was I especially mean, with some of the artists. That was basically porn. I mean, that, I mean, that looked like yeah. you're in Times Square in 1987. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, that's so who's going to draw that line? So once again, you know, the nanny state added from both sides of the aisle. Um, So I I don't know if uh, you guys wanted to chime in on that one, but it's uh, definitely a little bit. um, I don't know. It's kind of overstepping boundaries, in my opinion. But parents should be involved in their children's phones. There should be more access for the phone companies to give parents the ability to block where their children can go, make it easier for us to control the phones that we're paying the bill on. But what do I know? I'm just a dumb dad. Uh, Rachel Levine is now the first openly transgender federal official confirmed by the Senate. Um, Speaking of. you know, again, just things getting stranger. The Senate on Wednesday confirmed Rachel Levine to serve as the assistant to the Secretary of Health by a slim margin of 52-48. And this person does not look remotely healthy, which no. is just the ultimate irony segment of it all. And not only that, remember, she was uh, one of the ones when this whole thing started to go down last year. She moved her mother yep. out of a nursing home to a private facility. Yeah, obviously, because, uh, well, she didn't want to kill her her mom. See, I I don't care what she wants to be, who she wants to dress. I can care less. Uh, What I can't care about is someone who's completely obese, somebody who's, you know, completely reckless with the Constitution gets another position and reckless with our elders, by the way. Right. Um, Gets a, a position like this, it's just pure cronyism, as, as I say it. And not only that, uh, I remember during the questioning when she was uh, sitting in there for the questioning, I forgot which senator was asking the question. Um, I think it was Rand Paul. It was actually. Rand Paul. Yeah. And he was making great points because, you know, well, uh, he's a doctor. Um, and and she she was just reading off. It was almost the exact same answer to different questions. And, yeah, and we played that, and you could you could see it. You, you could see, she had no no idea what what the heck was going on. Well, she knew what was going no on. Answer. She was just being coy. And right. remember, Rand Paul said, "Please let the record note that they refuse." She refuses to answer yeah. the question. Right. She gave the same um, robotic but answer. I'd yep. be happy to meet at your office on this complex right. issue at another right. time. Okay. I, I, I'm glad that you're interested in in asking this question. No, I'm not interested in asking the question. I want an answer to the question. It's amazing, yep. but this is this is how they play politics. And again, I hope now. Okay, you're in you're in office. Let's open an investigation because we want to see why you did what you did back in Pennsylvania. What kind of information did you have about the nursing homes, and why did you move your mother out as soon as this happened? Well, we know Cuomo, the guy in Pennsylvania, Wolf, 
Murphy, um, Ava Pallone, Ava Perone up there in Michigan, and the guy in California, and maybe even a couple other places. They all followed Cuomo's lead. And Wolf's, and, and what they did in Pennsylvania is definitely uh, following the lead of New York. So there needs to be an investigation there as well. Yeah. And it's amazing that um, there's no blowback, barely any, that I can even remember with the good for thee and, you know, good for me, but not for thee, with her own mother-in-law or whoever it was she moved out. Many of you have asked for Jerry Nadler's Crazy Town. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. And I we're going to oblige here in 30 seconds. Remember when I asked you to do this? You're like, it's too lowbrow for our show. <laughs> you told me that before you said no. It's too lowbrow. America's Voice is a news platform dedicated to keeping people informed. Start your day off with War Room, hosted by Steve Bannon. If they've got the data, if they've got the evidence, they've got the science, bring it forward. Followed by News On with Miranda Kahn. And we will continue to keep a close watch on the situation in D.C. Begin your afternoon with David Brody's Water Cooler. A huge deal here. We're going to unpack it all. Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday night. So there's an article in the Wall Street Journal opinion section today entitled Biden and the Trillions. Democrats hope he'll emulate the man who created the last great inflation. By James Freeman, who I've um, read you on this show before. And of course... Obviously, the spending is something we've talked about in this show. And nauseam. We've talked about it for the four years that we've been doing this. Five years I've been doing this show. And the year, well, it'll be a year and four more days that we've been doing this show on Real America's Voice. And we've spent our fair share of time talking about the debt. And does anybody care? Because economics work until, well, it doesn't work. Numbers work until they don't work. And we've talked about inflation, and w- once it's out of the bottle, it's hard to put back in the bottle. You see what's going on at the gas pump, you look at what's going on, and you look at this Democratic Party and this president and what they're trying to do. And granted, the Republicans really are, have been, for the most part, just as bad. You know my feelings on Mitch McConnell, one of the greatest debt creators we've ever had in the Republican Party. He gets his ass kicked around from Pelosi and Schumer every time the debt ceiling used to come up. He'd always cave. We'd never get anything. They'd never, nothing. And you look at what we spent, $3 trillion on the CARES Act, I believe it was. $2 trillion on top of the $4.5 trillion budget. Now another $4.1 was already spent on the virus in the CARES Act. $1.9 just now. And now they're teeing up $3 trillion trillion dollars in infrastructure 
So Mr. Freeman says, since last March, politicians have somehow managed to get away with shutting down heavily indebted economies and then borrowing and printing money as a substitute. Now many are determined to ignore nearly all of human history prior to 2008 and conclude that there are really no limits to the ability of a government treasury to issue debt, much of which is later purchased by another arm of government with money created out of thin air. Speaking of the latter, the chairman of the U.S. Federal Reserve still is not worried about inflation, nor is the Treasury Secretary, even as their political colleagues in Washington engage in a historic bidding war for discretionary items that are not even remotely related to the COVID crisis. Following the recent enactment of a $1.9 trillion spending plan, a small portion of which will directly address the medical issues at hand, the Democrats who run Washington are now drafting a new package of leftist nice-to-haves without any direct connection to COVID. And this legislation could be bigger than any of the emergency bills before. The Wall Street Journal's Andrew Duren and Richard Rubin report that, quote, White House officials have crafted a preliminary plan that would cost $3 trillion. The overall price tag of the package could approach $4 trillion says Jim Tankersley of the New York Times. At Axios, Mike Allen and Jim Vandehei reported that activist Democrats are among the forces pushing Biden to jam through what could amount to a $5 trillion-plus overhaul of America and vast changes to voting, immigration, and inequality. Until COVID, $5 trillion was larger than the entire annual federal budget. Do we hear $6 trillion? Now, I just, again, will remind you, and didn't take a genius to figure this out, I told you this was coming. I think on January 20th or 25th, when they started to talk immediately about this package, and you knew that this 1.9 was just a warm-up. The Axios crew says that academics are encouraging the big guy to think even bigger. President Biden recently held an undisclosed East Room session with historians that included discussions of how big is too big and how fast is too fast to jam through once-in-a-lifetime historic changes to America. Now, that headline alone should gravely concern every citizen of America because in most of our opinions, America doesn't need changing. It's not perfect, as no place is. We've had our challenges. But America is the single greatest beacon of hope, freedom, liberty, and economic freedom that there is any place ever on God's green earth. It does not need fundamental or systemic or radical or overreaching or overarching change on any level. We don't need to remake America. We don't want to rethink America. 
Most than, people, other than lifelong politicians, <laughs> that's the only change we need. Yeah, that's the only thing that's systemic. That's the systemic problem, the politicians. Yeah. He says, this column seems to have forgotten the Biden 2020 campaign promise to jam through massive changes on partisan votes. Wasn't his argument against Bernie Sanders that a Biden presidency would not operate that way? These days, Mr. Biden doesn't even seem to need much encouragement to endorse reckless expansions of government. According to the Axios report, the historian's views... I love to, who's the historians, Michael <laughs> Beschloffs or somebody? Who is it? Yeah. Uh, we're Our very Zen. much in sync with the guy from MSNBC uh, with his own guy who used to write over there at Newsweek. Um, it's, it's, it is time to go even bigger and faster than anyone expected. If that means chucking the filibuster in bipartisanship, so be it. This is... This is about as scary and tyrannical as you could possibly imagine these kind of statements. Oh. Yeah, dis- yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, unfortunately, all the, uh, the people that the Democrats like to elect think this way now. That's who they are. You're even seeing like liberal, liberals like Matt Taibbi and the, uh, you know, Harvey uh, Weinstein and you know, you're seeing like the, that Harvey inter- Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Not, I'm sorry, um, uh, Weinstein uh, brothers, the two brothers. Oh, Eric. Uh, yeah, Eric right, Eric. And- yeah, you, you know, they have that intellectual uh, dark web group It's and the Dark Horse uh, podcast. Really interesting perspectives from they're being canceled again. And worse than ever because they bring, they're, they're liberals or progressives, not progressives, I should say, they're liberal Democrats with reason who are being destroyed by their own party as well. Because it's just not radical. Mr. Freeman continues, the dishonesty of Biden's unity messages aside, does he believe or does any Democrat at this point believe there is any limit to Treasury debt issuance or to the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet before people around the world start doubting the value of U.S. currency? This question deserves an answer at Mr. Biden's Thursday's press conference. And for, the, for whoever the person was who asked for our crypto holdings, <laughs> these two things are connected. They absolutely are connected. Democrats, including Mr. Biden's friends in the, in the um, professor, what is that word? Prof, well, whatever. I referenced the email. Are dreaming of another Lyndon Johnson error. I guess the collegiates is what they're saying, the, pref- the uh, professor types, in which a sort of accidental presidency yields massive expansions of federal power, explosions of welfare state spending, and relaxed monetary policy. Well, that's pretty much where we're at. The journal's Jason Riley recently described the beliefs animating such dreams. Today's liberals share with their 1960s an abiding belief that government is best suited to help the underprivileged. The objective is to widen by as much as possible the eligibility requirements for public assistance and then ask as little as possible from the recipients in return. Whether above or below the poverty line, Americans in that era also suffered a new phenomenon of rising costs for all kinds of household items after a long period of price stability. 
The 2014 official history of U.S. inflation from the Bureau of Labor Statistics noted this. Food prices starting accelerating early at the end of 1965 and shelter costs followed in 1966. By October 1966, the 12-month change in the all-items CPI, Computer uh, Consumer Price Index, reached 3.8%, its highest level since 1957. After decelerating briefly in 1967 as uh, food prices receded for a short time, the index then surged again, hitting 4.7% in October of 1968. Uh, President Johnson's successor, Richard Nixon, was just as reckless in expanding government and even more aggressive in debasing the currency, resulting in the great inflation, which in the 1970s often soared at double-digit annual rates. Another historical similarity is that the Biden agenda includes large tax increases yet to come. Biden's proposed tax hike could amount to as much as $2 trillion, the largest increase since 1968, when President Lyndon Johnson's administration imposed a 10% surtax on business profits and high-income individuals. But even if the Biden tax hikes are that large, they won't come close to covering his spending increases. As the U.S. debt soars above 100% of GDP, is anyone in the Biden administration taking a moment to wonder how many dollars will be created to manage it? That from James Freeman today in the Wall Street Journal. And um, something we have talked about consistently on this show. Paul has been on the currency, the dollar, the debasing of the dollar, the central banks, all of it. And the worse it gets for, pri- for small business, the better it gets for government. More government, bigger, and, bigger. And massive monolithic corporations that I used to be all for big business, but this is to the point where they're borderless, they're soulless, they have no agenda, they have no allegiance to any nation. All they are is, is they're just, they're borderless at this point, and they, all it is is about complete control of every market and every commodity. Um, all it, these mergers, it's time to, de- to to break up so many of these monopolies. And to crush the smaller businesses. Yeah, Or anybody trying to get into it. Look, you have WAPO owned by Amazon who writes these puff pieces for big tech. Meanwhile, big tech is at the helm of all this, you know, tyranny, tech tyranny. Tyranny on so many levels we face and so many, I'm afraid, of our fellow citizens don't see it staring them right in the face. Good night, everyone. Jerry Nadler, part two, coming up. America's Voice. 
let's do a little crazy town here, G. Uh, this one's called, called Obamacare is back. This is uh, Joe Biden in front of the microphones. I believe this was actually yesterday. We didn't get a chance to get to it last night, though. Let's see what it's about today. Roll it, G. I guess I'm supposed to keep this on, correct? <laughs> Doof. So, uh, good afternoon. Almost getting an evening. Hundreds of thousands of businesses are now are not going to go under, but they're going to have an idea, an opportunity to reopen. And the need for mental health problems to deal with mental health problems, the consequence of them is up as a consequence. Yeah, if you're a, a, a child, there's so much more, but help is here. But I'm here in this great hospital to talk about a third way to help, and that's for your health, third type of health, and that's health care. I've said that I wanted, I, when, I, when I ran, I said I wanted to be the president who would preside over the end of cancer as we know it. Well, I'm going to be proposing to my friends in Congress that we launch a similar operation at the Department of, at, uh, at, uh, the Department of Health. Companies are not willing to do, drug companies are not, don't have the capacity. I might note parenthetically when I got in my automobile to go over to the to, the, uh, to HHS, uh, he was laughing. I didn't know what he was laughing about. And he said, did you hear? They picked up what you said on the mic. All I can think was, thank God my mother wasn't around. You hear it, but that old look. Gag again. When I ran for, prom- for president, I promised I would build on the foundation of the Affordable Care Act. We're also making it easy to, easier to sign up for Obamacare. We lived in a three-bedroom split-level home with four kids and a grandpa living with us. What? And the paper, the walls are paper thin. I can imagine hearing my dad rolling back and forth, and I could tell there was something wrong. I remember asking my mom next morning, what's the matter with dad? She said, honey, he's just worried. We just lost our health insurance. There's no longer has this coverage. People lying in bed wondering, my God, what happens? And we have some of the finest minds in the world, and they're right here. Right here at Ohio State, Ohio State, right here in Ohio, right here in the United States of America. And they break their necks every single day for us. And get vaccinated when it's your turn. It's a patriotic responsibility you have. That's inspiring. You know what? I start out laughing and then I just want to cry. I want to turn us from laughter to tears. It's just... 80 million strong. Yeah. You know, you know what's really stunning about that? This dope that's standing there. He has the vaccine. He got inoculated, and he's still walking around with a with a with a mask. Yeah. As Rand Paul pointed out the other day, it's there for theatrics, for the fear. Fauci has it too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's double masked. So I wonder how many masks it would take for us to not for Biden to be un you know not be able to hear what he's saying. Maybe he should try ten. Just put the box over his face. He should just swallow a dozen masks. Unbelievable. Good Lord, man. That's he the did, president. He, he did say that was close to evening time in the beginning of that clip. So it was Am I supposed to wear this mask? It was close to, uh, close to bedtime. Right, sundown, uh, sundowning, right? A couple other things I want to get to. This was really, I haven't seen this clip, but I read about that this was her answer. Cut 15 from today, G. This is, this is, this is unbelievable. Roll it. This is a, uh, as I said it up, a bit of a mystery, and I'm sure that you've inquired about this yourself. And, oh, okay. Uh, Where's the cat? 
No, 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 it's not that. Okay. Uh, so there was a report last year from the Senate Finance and Homeland Security Committees. It claimed that the wife of Moscow's former mayor uh, paid a company associated with the president's son $3.5 million. Um, there was no explanation for this alleged payments, and I'm wondering if you could tell us if uh, that claim is accurate, and if so, uh, what the $3.5 million was paid for. Not familiar with that claim. Doesn't sound like it's backed up by a lot of evidence. Uh, if you have evidence or specifics, happy to discuss it further. Committee's report. Uh, so you haven't asked about this, sir? Uh, I am not familiar with the report at all. Um, <laughs> that is a lie. Yeah. The idea that Jen Psaki, who worked on Biden's entire campaign, who was picked to be press secretary out of the box, who has been as close to him probably as anyone else throughout this whole ordeal, is unaware that the president's son had a laptop that became somewhat of an issue for him that ended up in the hands of the FBI and that there was a payment from the mayor of Moscow's wife of $3.5 million. Yeah. That and was for her brought, to say she's not familiar with it. That was brought up not only in a debate, but it's from a Senate investigation. I mean, that's really, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, th the idea that anyone could believe, that she could say that with a straight face. Now, I don't know. Was there any follow-up, G, from that reporter? She, she took another question right after that. It live right to your face. Yeah. And the reporter didn't say, didn't say anything. Didn't say, come on, you, stop, stop that. Come I guess, on. I guess not. <laughs> That's I was ridiculous. Just saying, what, I would just say grow up. What do you mean? You don't know. Of, what do you mean? You're not aware of it. What are you talking about? You were, you were part of the campaign. Yeah, this was something Trump that you guys. brought it up directly to his face. You guys have prepped for this. I, uh, I'm not familiar with that. I don't think it's backed up by any evidence. I'd be glad to take a look at it. It's a Senate report, you dunce. Take a look. And, and Trump brought it up in the debate. You weren't part of the debate prep for this guy? I'm sure it was all hands on deck, if I had a guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's, that's, that's stunning to me that, that, that that was her answer. Clearly caught off guard by it. Yeah. S uh, Senator Ron Johnson actually tweeted at her, uh, heard you're not familiar with my and Chuck Grassley's report. Here is the link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the link. Get familiar with it. I mean, forget the fact of the report. The idea, what, 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 did she go to bed early on all three debate nights? I mean, Hunter Biden in that, do you remember the first debate, what a debacle it was, them screaming at each other? I mean, the whole thing was, I mean, Trump kept hammering Hunter Biden over and over and over again. And then he did it in the second, not as much in the second, which ended up being the last because they skipped the one. But that's all he did was bring up Hunter Biden. He brought up the mayor of Moscow directly. She wasn't there. I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> that's just a flat out lie. I mean, that's just a, that is a flat out lie. Oh, shocking. She and lied. And um, the press on the first day in the briefing room always, you know, do you uh, stand up there and swear to tell us the truth? You know, those nonsense that they do all the time. I think Hogan Gidley actually said that yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. Well, no, so obviously she's not going to tell you the truth because that is clearly not the truth. And, and not only that, but remember early on, and I don't know how, if they've done it recently, I doubt they have, but remember early on where, where 
where Biden was saying, well, uh, any investigation that my, my son is under, I'm not going to get involved in. So she doesn't know about that because that's been talked about. People have asked. He's made statements, about, but she's not aware. She's aware. She just doesn't know what to say. She's, so she's, she's just incredible. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, guys on the show. Paul, Rick, Rick Delgado, Rick Emirati. Go Misfits. Go Misfits. Thanks, Real America's Voice. Most of all, though, thank you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll be taking your calls again tomorrow night. No Harry's Corner, but we'll be answering phone calls. And I may even get the great John Solomon to answer the phone and talk to you directly. So make sure you're here tomorrow night. Live from Studio 6B, back with you in 22. We'll see you then.